Welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word, the podcast that empowers you to say fuck being fine. Tired of being stuck in a place where you say everything's fine, when it's really not fine at all? You're not alone. I'm your host, Lori Seitz. I've been there too, and so have my guests. Here's a secret. All it takes is a conscious decision to change and then restructure beliefs so your actions take you in the right direction. That's where Fine is a Four-Letter Word comes in. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories from people who have transformed their lives and businesses and practical tips and takeaways to move you from spinning in place to forward action so you can create a life of joy. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. What if it's never been fine? What if it feels like every good thing comes with downfalls and you're racing to keep up? Adam Homey was raised with the values of pursuing academic excellence and being selfless to the point where it became a detriment. At the same time he was expected to achieve, he felt denied the opportunity to enjoy his success. It all started in his early childhood. He was almost three years old and barely spoken a word. It turned out he was deaf. Fortunately, his hearing was restored through surgery and treatments, but he was still behind. His mother bought textbooks to get him caught up, a form of homeschooling. So he entered kindergarten able to read and write way beyond his grade level. In first grade, his teacher noticed his boredom and ordered a proficiency test which revealed he functioned at the third grade level. He was promoted in the middle of the year from the first to second grade with a big ceremony and everything, but the grade promotion put him way behind. Now he was younger than his classmates, which meant he was the last in his cohort to experience milestones such as getting a driver's license and becoming a legal adult. He didn't even get to enjoy a legal drink in Penn State bars until the middle of his senior year. Yeah, legal drinks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Plus, imagine how being branded the smart kid affected his social life. The pattern of falling behind by being ahead has affected Adam to this day, including his development and progress as an entrepreneur. Fine is a four-letter word, and Adam has never been fine. In a moment, when you meet Adam, you'll discover how every giant leap forward has set him back and put him in an endless race to catch up. He's always felt like an outsider who doesn't fit in. But Adam has discovered that being an outsider who doesn't fit in allows him perspectives others don't see, simply because he has never had the benefit or curse of things being normal or fine for him. Being differently attuned allowed him to receive important life lessons from the spirit of a dead dictator and, as an adult, to become good friends with one of his childhood heroes. Two things not many people get to experience. Like Adam, it's possible you're not fine because it feels like every surge up the mountain seems to lead directly to the edge of a cliff. If you can relate, the five easy ways to start living the sabbatical life guide is for you. Once you read it, you'll discover a counterintuitive approach to making intentional changes in mindset and lifestyle. Learn how to overcome the fear of being left out. Find out how to face fears, step out of your comfort zone, and rewire your beliefs. It's only seven pages, so it won't take you long to get through. The five tactics are simple, but once you follow even one of them, you'll find yourself feeling more like you and finding your own unique place. When you're ready to say fuck being fine, then this guide is the place to start. It's time to blaze a new trail and chart a new course. Go to zenrabbit.com right now to download it for free. Now, let's go meet Adam. As you'll see, this is going to be spooky. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Adam Homie. Welcome to the show, Adam. Lori, this is an honor and a pleasure, and I've been following your show since you began it. Um, we didn't really discuss it at the time, but I actually have been a fan since the very beginning when you first launched the project. And I've visioned being on this show at some point so that people can find out what a loon I really am. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And in full disclosure, uh, Adam is on my production team. So this is awesome yeah. that that you're getting to actually be in the show instead of just working on the show. 
Mm-hmm. And how long, it's been years that we've known each other. We met through Jim Palmer, yep, the, who was at that point known as the newsletter guru. Yep. He still is. He's also the dream business coach. Yeah. And that was like, I feel like that was a million years ago. I ascribe everything to being a million years ago if it was more yeah. than 10. If it's more than 10, it's a million. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I, I use that phrase often myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So let's just jump in. I, I love that you're willing to play this game. So what mm-hmm. were the what were the values and beliefs that you were raised with that contributed to you becoming who you've become? Okay, so a lot of times your guests, and you know, I'm immersed in every episode, obviously, will tell you some very specific value that they were taught. The best way that I can convey this is by telling you a little bit about my early childhood. Uh, when it was, I was about two or three years old, I hadn't said anything yet. And they did some tests and they figured out that I was deaf. Uh, fortunately, it was a correctable sort of thing. So I did get my hearing back, um, as after some surgery and some treatment and things like that. But it did, um, set off, uh, it did set back my, uh, development in terms of being able to speak. However, the brain was functioning. So at this point, by the time we got all the senses up and running, it was about a year before I was due to start kindergarten. So my mother went and bought some textbooks and started teaching me some of the basic curriculum. So I entered kindergarten already literate, and meaning knowing how to write, read, and comprehend fluently in the English language. Uh, this caused me to be labeled as smart. And then when I went to the first grade, my teacher quickly assessed that I was bored in class. Mm. So they did an assessment test on me and found out that I was actually functioning at a third grade level. But they couldn't advance me that far, so they decided to move me to the second grade. Uh, they did this in, I believe it was November of 1983, I think it was, whatever year that was. And they did a big ceremony of me walking from the first grade classroom to the second grade classroom in that Catholic school. Made a real big fuss out of it. And uh, so can you imagine what that did to my social life? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so... One of the, so one of the things we gathered was that I was ahead partially because I had the benefit of a different type of education than mm-hmm. most of my classmates had. On the other hand, it put me in a situation where it seemed like no matter what I did, where I went, and how I attempted to present, I was not a perfect fit. In some cases, I was a misfit to whatever situation I was in. Mm. So as far as values... Uh, one of which was to excel academically, which more or less came easily to me, except when it came to mathematics. I can uh-huh. do the basic tables in my head, but as far as algebra, trigonometry, geometry, I, when I was in high school, I got deficiency reports on those sent to my parents the same day as the, they got the paperwork for my AP classes. That's advanced placement right. for, um, English literature, uh, history and a couple of other subjects. Yeah, because so, you and I are similar in that that we're more like word people, not math and yeah, science people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so another another of the values I would say that I received was to make an effort to be the best person I could. And unfortunately, sometimes that was to the extent of being selfless to the point where it disadvantaged me. So... I think that's a very common thing, and I don't fault anybody for that. And what I discovered later in life, especially when we get to where we are today as a society and the resources that are available to us in the current era, you think about it. Our parents, their parents before us, their parents before them, they had the benefit of whatever was handed down to them from the previous generation. It was your millennials, your Gen Zs, uh, basically everybody from like the who was born from the late 1970s forward, who had the benefit early on of having consistent access to high-speed internet on a reliable device, which mm-hmm. gave them access to levels of knowledge, education, and community support the previous generations didn't have. So this, thus, the rise of the term cycle breaker. Uh, I've done studies in resonance repatterning, uh, past life regression, and other types of things that some might call woo-woo. And I've come to understand exactly why it is that when they say that you're having an argument with your significant other or your sibling, your parents, a friend, or what have you, you are having the exact same argument your great-grandparents did. 
Really? Yeah. So a piece of my journey, and we'll probably touch on this a bit more through the conversation, is that becoming a cycle breaker, I found out that that is both liberating and can also be very frustrating because you're the one that uh, ends up pointing out and saying, oh, no, 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 it wasn't quite like you said, and uh, I see right through this. And a tendency with uh, most families is to sweep things under the rug, to brush things over. And I understand that that's important because you want to maintain family cohesion and you want to attempt to have harmony, have unity, and have good relationships. And I'm all for that. Uh, what happens sometimes when you brush things under the rug and you say, well, that's just part of how it is, is that it remains under the rug. And every so often it kind of creeps out. Right. And it minimizes the, uh, it could be trauma, could be whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's just minimize, like it's ignoring how you feel or what you're seeing or you know, your contribution to it. Like, no, it's, that's, it's not what you think or it's not mm-hmm. important. Yeah. And, yeah. And so it, um, the other word, I'm not looking minimize, but there's another word to diminish yep. your importance or your viewpoint. Right. Right. And, it's, and the thing is, it's not intended that way, but that's just how it, it ends up being received, whether you understand that consciously or not. Right. I was Especially also, as a child. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was also uh, raised Roman Catholic. I was very much into it. I was an altar boy. Uh, I remember when I was about 10 years old, I stole a missalette from the church and brought it home and practiced the hymns on my keyboard. And I memorized the mass. I was dead set on becoming a priest because at the time I thought girls had cooties. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's as good a reason as any. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And then... What, um, what did you end up like? So you graduated early, well, early for your age, like you were always early the youngest age, in yeah. your class, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that, as you said, made it kind of hard to make friends because you were even smarter than them anyway. I, well, in some cases, yeah. And I think part of it is I was told that I was gifted and I was smarter and everything else. My IQ is in the, is in the 130 range. So it's, always been considered gifted and uh that's what every test has always told me and a few years ago i took it again and i found out that i'm still there so uh because iq can go up and down over the course of your life and i um i really you know became you know socially whole as a result of my college experiences one of the best Mm. things i think i could have done was actually go away to college which i did but you raise a point that at the same time i felt like i was always behind always a little bit less than. So think about it. I didn't uh, have the ability to drive a car until almost the end of my junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to drive a car legally after midnight until the middle of my freshman year of college. I wasn't able to have a legal drink in a Penn State bar until the middle of my senior year. Oh, man. You yeah. know how that one felt? Right. Uh, this is one of the reasons the advice I, I give the folks is even if you are strongly considering college uh take a year off and i'm very happy that we now have programs and normalization the idea of the gap year because i think it's very helpful to you so yeah like like a friend of mine uh, one of my best friends growing up he took two years after he graduated high school before he went to college and so he actually did very well in college he surprised himself in terms of his abilities academically socially his ability to excel at the material and he attributed part of that just to the fact that he spent a couple years goofing off right well you think about it you're sending an 18 year old who typically is regardless of gender is not super uh mature right and sending them off to live on their own and mm-hmm. to study, to trust that they're going to have the discipline to study, to get good grades, to uh, make this very expensive venture <laughs> yeah. worth, worth the money. And I think it, when we were growing up, it wasn't as accepted to take that gap year. Right. And it is much more now. And even now, it's much more accepted to not even go to college if mm-hmm. it's not as it's not seen as Im- imperative anymore. 
It's not, not like the, not not the same way. And I think part yeah. of that you can attribute to the way to the, all the other innovative ways you can get educated. Like right. I said, um, part of the reason I believe that I'm uh, very, you know, not very good when it comes to advanced mathematics is I saw no relevance for it. Mm -hmm. uh, the environment of that particular classroom was not very friendly to me. So it was already a place I couldn't learn. And I don't think my brain works that way. But I also know that if I were to enter a discipline, take on a hobby, uh, start another stream of income or something that required those types of things to understand algebra, geometry, trigonometry, what have you, I would then be motivated. And I know that there are resources online that I can take. There are courses I can take. There are things that I can access where I would likely become proficient in that stuff because then I would have a reason to. I could see how that could happen. And from my perspective, that's like strengthening your weaknesses, whereas I'd rather focus on strengthening my strengths and yeah. getting somebody else to manage the part that doesn't come naturally to me. Oh, I well, this reminds me of something. My my maternal grandfather, uh, I used to help him with little projects around his house and stuff like that. And man, he would constantly complain. He would say I was the, the laziest person he ever met and I was no good at anything. And one time he said, you know what? You better you better focus on those books. You better study. You better get, get a good a good job because you're no good at this stuff. You're going to have to hire somebody. And I looked him dead in the eye and I said, I plan to. Mm -hmm. Now, there are other adults in around here saying, oh, how dare you say that to you? And but he's just giving me this look of like just sort of nodding and grinning like, you got it, grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I remember a similar story, too, with my stepfather. I think it was like a typing class or something. And, you know, yeah. we, we when we still had typing classes, I mean, that was like yeah. very long ago. But uh, and I wasn't terrible at it, but. In my head, I remember coming home and talking about like, well, I'm just going to hire an assistant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We had it. We had it down. Yeah. All right. So uh, so you went to Penn State. And, yes, I did. Yeah. And so keep keep the the trajectory going here with um, like, is that where did you find your tribe there? Did you feel like you fit in? Yes. Yes, I, f I found my people. What's great about going to a large university is you can have several different sets of people. One of the things about Penn State, and so many people have said this, and it's the same with a lot of larger universities, is you can be different people to different, uh, to mm -hmm. different people, a different person to different people at different times of the day. Uh, and this is why if you, I say if you choose the university path, pick a large one. So you have the opportunity to explore so you can do different things and you can find where your tribe is, where your vibe really is. So at any rate, uh, I had gone to Penn State with uh, with the intention of getting a degree in political science because I thought I was going to go to law school and become an attorney during the last semester of my super senior year, because I extended another semester to take advantage of a TA opportunity. And plus, I just thought, you know, I just need to get more out of this. Yeah. I attended a two-hour seminar by somebody, uh, an adjunct professor at the Dickinson University of Law, which is the law school associated with Penn State. This guy was mesmerizing. He was captivating. He was a complete asshole in a way that you love. <laughs> okay. I was hanging on his every word about the realities of being an attorney and how to be successful. And my mouth was gaping thinking, wow, that is quite a life. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I, okay. so I, gra I graduated with uh, no direction whatsoever, um, ended up going through a couple of really crappy jobs. And then I went to Duquesne University to pursue my MBA, which I managed to complete on a full-time basis while working a full-time job and excelling at both of them. And I think that just has to do with what I always like to say in my own marketing as finding your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Right. Yeah. And then did you, when did you go out on your own? On my, oh, oh, my business? Well, here's, yeah. here's what happened there. After I finished the MBA from Duquesne, my concentration was human resource management, and my dream was to become a, a training and, de and development director of a Fortune 100. So I did the usual interviews, networking things. I got a couple of offers in both cases by companies that 
weren't actually officially hiring, but wanted to create a role for me based on what I presented to them. At the same time, I connected or reconnected rather with one of my previous mentors, a gentleman named Stephen Rao. And he had at this point in his life started a small training and development firm and needed some help. So I did some freelance work with him. And then I caught the entrepreneurial bug. I formed a limited liability company. And then I spent, and I picked up a couple other clients. I spent a couple years going between the ox and the horse cart, figuring out which way I was going to go. And part of that is because I didn't know that it was easier to jump off on your own than you really thought. Uh, one of the worst days I had in my job, I remember November 19th, 2004, um, it was just an awful day. So I called him and he said, here's what you do. Because that, that date was a Friday. He said, Monday, what I want you to do is I want you to resign. Send me a copy of your resignation letter and I will give you $3,000. I didn't take him up on it because the beliefs that I had been given and what I'd seen in the world led me to two things. Number one, but he really does that. And number two, what's his ulterior motive? What's the catch? Uh-huh. Uh, when's he going to come back to me asking for $6,000? So, <laughs> so I, I, uh, kind of, uh, flailed there for another nine months until I got to the point where I could make the jump. But here's what I recognized that Steven was actually trying to offer. And, uh, if I can find somebody who's in that position, I like, to, I'd like to make sure they're aware of this and to check in on it. He needed more help in his business because it was growing really fast and he wanted to have more of me in his life. He couldn't make, he couldn't bring me on as a full-time employee, but he wanted to create enough sustainability for me that, um, he could pay me enough to get by mm-hmm. and give me the space to actually build a business in the way mm-hmm. he was giving me a gift. And, um, that $3,000, that was not a loan. That was actually a gift. Mm-hmm. He was actually investing in himself so that he could get more help. Right. I just couldn't say that. Right. Were you yeah. the first person in your family to go off and do your own to be entrepreneurial? Oh my God, yes. Uh-huh. As far as far as I know, I mean, I've found that many times I think I'm the first one, and I actually wasn't. Uh, which is, you know, goes along with that whole thing of, you know, this is how it's supposed to be. These are what we're handing down to you, and things like that. So there have been more. There's been more than one case where I thought that I was really the first one. It's like, oh no, 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 no. You should, yeah, you, 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 sh- you. Sh- you didn't know this about your uncle Jim, for example. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. So since the show is called fine is a four letter word, I, I need to bring up when was the point where you got to everything's fine, but it's not fine. Like you were telling oh, it's, everybody it's fine. Oh, it's never been fine. It's never been fine. I've not, ne- I've never felt that things have been fine. I know that that's going to be, uh, I know that's one of your questions. And in many cases, your guests give that cataclysmic moment where they have a major health episode or they find out something about their sexuality or they discover that they're 70 years old. Maybe they don't want to be married to that person. I mean, there's a lot of things that come up or they're in a career. Uh, or they turn their hobby into a career and then decide they didn't want it. I mean, I've seen right. so many of the different things you cover, but there was no one particular moment like that. That it's just, it's never quite been that way. In fact, if I want to give something resembling an answer to that, as I mentioned before, although you and I haven't really gotten, you know, closer until within the past three or four months as of the time of this recording, I've been aware of fine as a four letter word since the very beginning. And it's one of those things that I've been checking in on from time to time. And just seeing your show, I begin to have that question of what's not fine and where is the change and where is the pivot? So now my question is when you say it's not, it's never been fine. Has it never been fine? Like everything's always been great or it's never been even fine like it's been terrible a lot like it's been survivable but not fine not even fine or it's been better than fine the whole time like how's Um, my interpretation of this the the survivables probably come closest and then there's still that pattern of me being the also ran or the person who's a little bit behind that pattern to a degree is still there and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's shown up and it's um in some ways it's held me back from being all the entrepreneur that I could possibly be. I've had my business for 20 years now. I should be a multimillionaire, but I'm not there yet. Mm. And just over the past couple of years, I've come to really understand some of the reasons why, not only in terms of how I've approached business, but how I've approached life. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And you, uh, a while ago, maybe it was like a year, because we've been, even when we weren't really in touch uh, consistently, we were still friends on social and I was watching. So you went through kind of a metamorphosis of your image. Mm -hmm. What prompted that? And how's that going? I wanted to date stylish women. Okay. I mean, I, I could give, I could give you some really in-depth, heartfelt thing, but I just want, I just wanted to, um, position myself to outkick my coverage. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. And did it work? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> there's more to it. There's more to it than that, though, but we'll discover more as we go Are you along here. Tell me. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I can tell you, right I can now. tell you a little, I can tell you a little bit. All right. So, um, actually, there's, Something else that I wanted to share first. Okay, that go goes ahead. in a different direction. This has to do with approaching situations, and this is where people are going to find out I'm a loon. But I'm going to tell you that I've discussed this on my own podcast before, mm-hmm. uh, the Business Creators Radio Show. And for those of you who have heard that show, you may have seen my episodes with Daniel Jackson and Tracy St. Croix, where I've okay. covered this in detail. But I'm going to give you the abridged version. Starting when I was um. When I was, I think I was about 13 or 14 years old, there was this little cubby hole off my bedroom where I had my encyclopedias and my books and everything. And I would spend hours a day in there reading. I was always fascinated by history. And, um, and I'm sitting behind this, um, this kidney shaped desk that belonged to my grandfather, which was my desk. And, uh, and I was reading something in some book and all of a sudden I heard heavy breathing. And I'm thinking, is this one of my parents again trying to tell me to go to bed? And I looked up, and it's like I did this triple take. And I'm asking myself, what is Benito Mussolini doing standing in front of my desk? Really? Yeah. And in this heavily accented English, he said, tell them I tried to stop it. Make sure I, they know the truth. It's like, what? And then he disappeared. Were you reading about him when he no. showed up? No. Okay. Wow. No. And for the next 20 or 30 years, sporadically, he would show up with that same message. He would say something like, tell them I tried to stop it. Make sure they know the truth. Make sure they know the whole story about me. And then before I could ask him, he would go away again. At first, I thought I was mentally ill having these. Uh, and it's got to be a fiction, figment of my imagination. But then the Internet comes in. Mm-hmm. And we get to see things that were not available to us. I mean, you and I are of similar age, so you know that what was available to us as children is different than the information that's available to us as adults. So right. this thing called YouTube came into existence. Yes. And I and I and I and I found this video clip of him giving a speech in English. And I thought, oh my God, that is him. This is for real. So fast forward to the year 2014. And this might have been when we were still in the mastermind together with Jim Palmer. I'm not sure exactly where that the mastermind, happened. Yeah, the mastermind was a little earlier than that because I ended up shutting that business down in 2014. So I think it was a couple okay. years earlier. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was 2014. Um, I was going through a uh, really tumultuous breakup with a girlfriend uh, to the point where this was one of those ones where you pull your si- clients aside and say, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I broke up with my girlfriend. It's a little messy here. If you hear anything weird, check Mm. with me before you believe anything. It was Mm. one of those, right? Mm. Wow. And so then the old Duce comes back to me and tells me the same damn thing. It's like, what do you want? Right. And why are you talking to me? Yeah. So I, uh, so one of the things that I love is hypnotherapy because I found the the ability to go through visioning exercises and peel back those layers. Mm-hmm. I'll cut to the chase of what, what it was all about. Those uh, spectral appearances happened every time that I was in a situation where I was damned if I didn't, damned if I didn't. Mm. And I was going to have to do something that might cause people around me to criticize me or to question me. Wow. Okay. So here is in a nutshell, and I and I can give and your listeners can go research this on their own. In July of 1934, uh, the Austrian Nazis attempted to overthrow the Austrian government, and they assassinated the chancellor. Uh, that the chancellor was a friend of Mussolini's, and he was so incensed by this 
He marched, I think, five divisions of the Italian armies to the Austrian border and threatened to invade if they didn't back off. And the League of Nations warned him to, st- to stand down. Now, he didn't have to invade, but that instance right there was a case where had he been stronger, he could have gone forward because there's evidence that's shown up that he might have gone all the way into Germany and nipped that whole Hitler thing in the bud before it really got off the ground. Mm-hmm. He could have saved 50 million lives. But he didn't have the courage to stand against public opinion because you think about it, this was not too long after World War One. They really weren't ready for another one. Yeah. And this was a guy who was talking about reconstituting the Roman Empire. So, I mean, it wasn't going to come across as being the most benevolent thing. But had he gone through with it, we could have saved we could have saved tens of millions of lives. So the message was that when you're in situations where no matter what you do, people may not understand it first, but those who truly support you, who are part of your tribe, will support you yeah. in the long run. And and that you need to do what you truly believe is the right thing. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. So now that you know that, do those visions still come? No, I haven't seen them since, thank God. Wow. Okay. I hope I, I, I hope I, yeah, you know, I, yeah, my friend who's a spirit medium explained to me what could have been happening is that, uh, due to, I mean, and the events of his life are fairly well known and, um, how tragically it ended up and some of the very bad things that he did. And she explained to me that it's possible that this is a piece of his, repayment of his karmic debt Mm. that his spirit is now assigned to find people who need to be encouraged to take actions that might not be popular but Mm -hmm. to have the fortitude to do it maybe once i recognized that i got that message he was no longer needed and and, and believe me i wasn't looking to make friends with the guy so i'm pretty happy right right yeah Did you ever discover in your internet searches that other people were having similar visions? I've researched that and I haven't seen it, but it's possible. Okay. I'm just yeah. curious. Like that sounds mm-hmm. fascinating. It would be interesting. Yeah. So that so the reason I interjected that story beforehand is that was a really important lesson that I needed to gain is that when you are your authentic self, people around you may not understand they may criticize you they may distance themselves because of societal pressures because it conflicts with what they believe to be their own beliefs right and however when you when you find it within yourself to be able to persevere and do everything you can to do no harm and to do what's necessary for yourself um, in one of your recent episodes, you in your takeaways, you made the bifurcation between being selfless and selfish and how they're not mutually exclusive. Right. And that selfish, selfish is different than self-care. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So so that so that um, showed me because, you know, part of what really held back my business growth is, oh, well, if I'm not. If I don't do this absolutely perfect or I occasionally miss a deadline or disappoint somebody or my or I don't hit it, I don't hit it out of the park every single time that my life is over. Right. And that's just a pattern that kept showing up in my life over and over and over again and recognizing that, you know what, that's not really the case. Yeah, I think it takes us a while. Like we need to get some maturity in and some life experience before we are able to really accept that. Like we hear it consciously. I don't have to be perfect. Good enough is good enough. But but mm-hmm. for a people, oh, achiever, high achievers like you and I are, it doesn't sink in. We're like, yeah, no. okay, that's that's relevant for other people, but not for yeah. me. Yeah, I'm a superstar. I'm a champion. You know, a lot of times we are, but not always. Uh, mm-hmm. What I remind myself, and I understand it intellectually, but sometimes in practice, it's difficult to embrace is that Babe Ruth missed two thirds of his hits. Yeah. Yeah. And he's still considered a superstar. Like you don't have to get it perfect all the time to still be a superstar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So now, now that you know this, now that you're allowing yourself to not be perfect all the time, what, what do you see happening? 
Well, part of it is a work in progress in the sense that I know that there are still a lot of things I'm going to discover. Uh, one of the things I've learned about hypnotherapy is that you do an exercise, you do a session, you do a visioning, and it bring, it pulls back a layer that reveals what was bubbling under the surface so that whether you solve it or at least you're able to recognize and compartmentalize it, you've now achieved another level of mastery. Mm-hmm. And once you pull back that layer, now there's something that you, you get it that's yep. that's gonna that's gonna jump up next. So I know that there's gonna be a lot more of that that happens for me. Yeah, I mean that's part of being human. It's we're we're like an onion. You're appealing back mm-hmm. all the layers, and it never. It, it's like the um, the never ending onion kind of thing. Yes. Like as long as you're alive, there are going to be more layers to be yes, revealed. Yes, there are. <laughs> yes, there are. Yeah, kind of like those birthday candles that you can't blow out. They just keep exactly. popping up. Right. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm going to jump to a totally different uh, topic because you... Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, you are a great fan and, um, well, I'll just leave it at a, at, at a... I don't know. You probably know the word because you're smart. Uh, what is the word for someone who's like a, as big a fan of cats as you are? Allurophile. Allurophile. Yeah, we're See, I knew you would know that that word. Yes. All right. What did, did you grow up with cats? Yeah, a whole bunch of them. Okay. So point, your love par- of cats at, at, started at young. Point, at, at one point, my parents had eight of them in the house. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it was so a furry that's... situation. <laughs> All right. So this is, um, I guess, in the south they would say you've come by that naturally. Yeah. Yeah. That's their phrase, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And now you you're you've limited yourself to two beautiful black cats. I'm not I haven't limited myself. It's just the fact that I rent rather than own. Okay. And it's very difficult to find a place that allows more than two. I would have five or six up here if I could. Right. You hear, that, they... Al, you hear that Alessandra? And since you're the oldest, you would be the mentor. <laughs> uh, how would they know? Uh, how, how would they know? See, Alessandra is indeed the, is indeed the oldest by about three weeks. No, I mean, how would they know you had five or six cats? Uh, you know, maintenance <laughs> might come in, you know, or, uh, or somebody might look up one day and say, why do four of the windows have cats sitting on the sills? <laughs> All right. So here's your incentive, right? To do, um, to bust through those, those limiting, factors in your business so that i don't know i mean i'm just i don't want guessing. a house you don't want a house no what i you know what i really Where you could have unlimited cats no 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 what i what i really would enjoy is the ability to have residences in three or four different cities and travel between them without luggage and just my cats okay yeah yeah i like it all right where's where are you going first where's your next city oh uh, well um even even though it's not all that far away, San Diego would probably be next. Ooh, yes, because, because I know people awesome. there, and there's a lot of action in terms of what I do. Yes, and it's such a beautiful place. Yeah, and and another place that keeps coming up is is Georgia. It's because I know a lot of people in Georgia. Yeah, I I know a lot of people in Georgia too. I'm actually thinking that on my nomadic tours, that I need to get to the Atlanta area. Yeah. For it, you know whether I have a cat sit there or not, get to Atlanta just to spend time with a bunch of the people that I know there. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Good, 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 <laughs> Alessandra was sitting on my lap for those who are listening on the audio. Yes. Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah. Uh okay. So what's what's up next? Is there something is there a question I didn't ask you that you want to share? Uh, let's see. Question you didn't ask that, um, that I want to share. Um, you know, wait, before, and as you're thinking about that, that is a great question. Like, this is totally random, but whenever I'm in a, a situation where the questions are open, like an interview or, yeah, uh, some kind of, yeah, you know, you're talking to a potential client or somebody who's a potential, yeah, somebody who's going to hire you for speaking or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Is there a question I didn't ask that I don't because I don't know enough that I should be asking? Like that right there is a key takeaway. Always okay. ask that. 
Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you did ask a question earlier that I sort of deflected on purpose because I wanted to introduce the um, the lesson about uh, being able to engage in self-care yeah. and persevere against the opinions of even those in your circle sometimes because I thought that was very foundational. So one of the things, you know, one of the things that's fairly well known about me is that, um, is that I've not yet at this point been married. And I view marriage as a do- as a bullet that I've dodged twice. Okay. Yeah, I view it more I view it more as as a as a bullet that I've dodged than something that I've actually really craved or went after. Was that because of what you learned in childhood about marriage because in the marriages and the people who are around you, your relatives, your parents? Yeah. A lot of people I know around me have been divorced. And mm-hmm. I've seen and I've seen so much of that sweeping things under the rug, um, creating realities to bury the actual reality in the name of getting by and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you keep, I mean, you watch these Hallmark movies yeah. and, and, you know, the, you know, the big city slicker goes back to the small town where he grew up and the cheerleader he lusted after is now working in a local flower shop. He goes in there and all of a sudden she looks at him and she says, that's the man I've really wanted. So she, so she breaks off her engagement with the son of the owner of the local construction company and they live happily ever after. And he quits his lucrative career and becomes a farmer. That, so that, now, that, that, so that doesn't really all, happen. Now we all know what you do when you're not working. You're what? watching Hallmark Channel movies. Oh, no, 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 no. If, you, if, you, if you've seen three, you've seen them all. I mean, and, and, that's part of, and that's part of the reason the genre is so successful, because it found a formula that works and appeals to a lot of people. Right. Because uh, that, that, is, that is something that, uh, whether it's what people genuinely want or what they've been, uh, they've been trained to believe they want, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. it's something that creates a level of of resonance. Like, I'm not sure there is one perfect person for everybody. No, I don't think there is one perfect person. I think there's an opportunity for many people could be the right person. Yeah. And that the the right person could be different at different points in your life. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot to that as well. Yeah. And, but we have been, conditioned to believe that one person for your entire life i have a friend who has for a long time said that she believes we should have seven-year contracts like seven-year marriage contracts okay every seven years you reevaluate do i want to stay with this person or not and if you don't it's not a big deal it's not like a big divorce thing like it's just you don't renew the contract oh yeah yeah and and, you know that makes that makes a lot of sense um Mm -hmm. and uh and, you know, one of the things that really surprised me is you remember I told you that girlfriend that I had where mm-hmm. things ended like really badly. Yeah. And I remember when I was in that relationship, my mother saying, if you're going to marry her, you're getting a prenup, right? <laughs> and and my mother's one of those people that watches the Hallmark movies and visions me being in one of those and finding my dream sweetheart and settling down and giving them a bunch of grandkids. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, and for her to say that was a little bit shocking, which tells me that uh, right. it's really common sense. Now, the fact is, if I had gone through with that, I would have wanted a prenup. And uh, part of it is to protect my assets. And also, from a practical perspective, that if uh, I had married this woman, and one of us got into a financial situation that we wouldn't both have to go bankrupt. Uh-huh. That there would be certain legal shields and barriers that would allow one of us to uh, continue to not be bankrupt while the other fought through bankruptcy in the event that ever happened. Because think, think about it, just getting really sick one time can ruin you. Yeah. It's interesting, though, that your mom said that, given you what you just said about her viewpoint of romance and mm-hmm. relationships, that would be like a major flag. Like, hey, maybe this is not the relationship for me. That was that I, retrospectively, although I didn't realize it consciously at the time. Uh, the fact that was so shocking to me made me think, wow, maybe there's something I'm not quite seeing here in the moment. Right, right. And the other point there is that, you know, moms tend to see things. Uh, mm-hmm. in their children or for their children that uh, that we don't always see when we are right. the, the, the kid. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, I am so glad that we got the chance to have this conversation. I mean, it's been a long time in coming. Before we go, I got it. You know, the last 
you know, the last question I always ask that is, what is your hype song? What's the song that you listen to when you need an extra boost of energy? And I imagine you dancing around the room with, I don't know how to dance. Uh, yeah, but with the beautiful kitties, like you're, you're just all doing like some kind of. Movement. Well, it's more, it's, it's more like I'm standing there with the wand toy and oh, they're yeah, chasing there it. you go. <laughs> yeah. And I have to be careful. Alessandra doesn't devour the wand toy. She likes to chew right through them. So, um, all right. So this is, um, this is another brief story that was just a uh, part of my own development. Now, uh, you may remember being a child yourself and being told that, um, there are certain things that you're just not going to get to experience because you're not one of those special people, which is, meeting famous people, meeting your heroes, uh, hang out with celebrities and things like that. Mm. So I remember back in uh, 2007, I was on a tech support call and they put me on hold. And while I was listening to the music, the music they had on hold, um, that song Into the Night by Benny Mardonis came on. Uh-huh. And so I'm there for the longest time. I'm thinking, yeah, I loved that song when I was a kid. So I went to my Googles and I typed, where is Benny Mardonis now? And I found out that he was still active as an indie artist, although his top 40 days had passed. And every year in Syracuse, New York, he did a fan weekend and you could buy tickets to it, where they, you, you'd get to have a, attend a dinner with them, uh, the concert and everything else. So I didn't do it in 2007, but in 2008, I did it. Okay. And I don't know what happened, but when I got to the dinner, Somehow I was assigned to sit right next to him. What? And uh, and he and I ended up becoming really good friends. I visited him so many times in Los Angeles. Uh, he was he uh, he is actually the original guest on the Business Creators Radio Show. Really? Um, and uh, and what I gathered from him was he was the if you've if you've ever heard that metaphor about how you want to end your life as a wasted out carcass having lived every single bit of your life. This is a guy who literally in his will donated his body to science. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and what I, and what I gained from him were a few things. Um, first of all, a generosity of spirit, um, an understanding of the human condition and the importance of being authentically who you are, even when it costs you opportunities because you only get to live this life once. Uh, he had several opportunities to reignite his career that he passed up on because it would have meant compromises that he personally could not live with. Mm. So, yeah. uh, and people, you know, people, when they heard I was friends, I was like, so what, when you go to LAX, does he send his limo to pick you up and take you to his mansion? So I, it's like, no, I get an Uber to his apartment in Playa del Rey, but, Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, uh, the song that is my hype song is actually one of his and it's called I'm Not Gonna Cry Anymore. Okay. It's, uh, it's a, it's a power ballad and it's about being at that point where you recognize that you can't let things stop you anymore. You can't let people hold you back anymore. You can't play into other people's narratives and. Regardless of what comes next, it's very important that you embrace the opportunity that's in front of you. That's so perfect for this show yeah. mm-hmm. and for you, for what you've been talking about. Yeah. I love it. All right. The final, final question. If someone wants to continue a conversation with you, where is the best place for them to reach you? Okay. So, um, www.schedulewithadam if you want to have a conversation just mention in the little note on there that you heard my appearance on fine is a four-letter word and want to find out what kind of loon i really am in fact if you, in fact if you say that i'll find it hilarious and i'll listen to whatever you have to say um <laughs> as far as uh, as far as social media uh it's going to be in the in, in your notes yep. uh the only places to really find me are facebook linkedin and i dabble a little bit in instagram yeah, I saw you were just getting into that. Yeah, I'm just, but, I'm but, just, I'm just getting into it for for stylish women, of course. Well, exactly. That's where <laughs> they all are, as far yeah. as I know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, we'll like as always, you'll put that in the show notes. And <laughs> thank <laughs> well, you well, so well, much. Well, actually, actually, our, actually, our program manager Tammy takes care of all that, and believe me, yeah. uh, she's a she's a nut. She is so amazing, though. <laughs> I don't know that I would yeah, call be, her a be, nut. I like no, your whole no, no, team no, no. is amazing. 
No, you don't. You don't know the half of her. She is. Uh, she is. She is. Uh, she is sometimes nutsy Fagan. I'm saying this because she's going to hear it and she's going to swap yeah. me with the newspaper. Well, you know what? Maybe sometime we need to have her on the show. She doesn't speak English, so it's not going to happen. Oh, all her English. I did not she, know she, that. She can. She can read it and write it, but she can't speak it. Oh, I'm learning all kinds of things. Well, maybe yeah. we have. Maybe we get a translator. That would be a first for the show. Yeah, it would. <laughs> All right. Very cool. Thank you so much for joining me today, Adam, on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. And thank you very much. As I mentioned at the beginning, Adam and I first met when we were both in Captain Jim Palmer's Mastermind over a decade ago. Some of what I heard in our conversation today is kind of what I suspected all along, but there were some surprises. Here are my top takeaways. Number one, the internet continues to disrupt society in new ways. For the first time in history, we have access to knowledge, resources, and support networks that empower us to break the cycles passed down through generations, disrupt what's been tolerated as fine, and challenge ourselves to be and do better. Number two, consider how your achievements, success, and gifts might also bring what appear to be problems and curses along with them. Within this duology, you can find the spark that reveals your superpowers. It's a matter of opening yourself to the possibilities and defying conventional wisdom. Number three, when other people's expectations throw you out of alignment, hit your reset button or your readjustment button. Remember, this is your life and it's up to you to live it in a way that when you reach 80 or 90 or 100, you can look back and say, yeah, that was awesome. Number four, sometimes you get messages through unexpected, even weird messengers. The universe does this to get your attention, and it takes its time explaining until it feels you're ready to act on that message. You wouldn't expect to learn about making positive, courageous decisions from Benito Mussolini, who made very few of them in his lifetime. Now that you've heard that story, you'll probably remember it, even if you find it odd. And number five, finally... And going back to my first takeaway, not fitting in makes it easier to break the mold. Since you were excluded in the first place, it never really applied to you. Think of your role models. Look for what made them stand out and see how that gave them the edge to excel. Then follow their example. Thanks for listening to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow and share it with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to help others discover it too. You can find links to my socials on my website, zenrabbit.com. And before you go, take a moment to reflect on what you're grateful for today. Remember, you have the power to create a life you love. And I'm proud of you. Thanks for joining me. Take care. Take care.